0: It's the 7th of April, 1978. Prince has just released his debut album, The uh, Kid Wonder Genius from Minneapolis. Prince's reign as one of modern music's originals began at the age of seven when he began to teach himself to play piano. He quickly moved on to guitar, drums, and eventually 23 other instruments.
1: Including hand claps and finger (laughs) snaps.
0: That's right. Prince's father was a Minneapolis area band leader. His mother was the band's vocalist. At the age of 12, Prince had formed his own group, Grand Central, later to be called Champagne, which played Minneapolis parties and dances. In 1976, he left the band to pursue a solo career. Probably a good move, looking back on it now. A demo tape of original material landed Prince a recording contract with Warner Brothers Records, the only company that would allow him to produce his own album. That was my best Dr. Cornell West impression. In late 1977, Warners released Prince's debut album, For You. Prince composed and arranged its nine original songs, performing and producing the entire album all on (coughs) his own. Soft and wet, the album's hit single, was an early introduction to Prince's sizzling, sizzling sexual explicit lyric approach, which he would abandon in the late 90s, early 2000s. For a different approach, but we'll get into that. And we have got into that. What am I talking about on the Peach and Black podcast? The taut, keyboard-dominated sound of For You and lack of bass in the CD version of the album served notice of the whole new blend of rock, R&B and dance rhythms that were to make Prince a major influence on the music of the 1980s, insert 1990s, the 2000s and beyond. The Compact Disc Digital Audio System offers the best possible... No, I won't... (laughs) Okay.
1: Welcome
2: to the Peach and Black Podcast. Your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent
1: discussion on all things happening in the Prince world the host. hosts. And, You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements.
2: Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could?
1: It's just like a story challenge of ideas. Okay.
3: Either version, I love both versions.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome back. To the Peach and Black podcast We're all here, we've returned once again We thought it would be a good idea to come back and keep doing these album reviews and our analysis of Prince's work And today, we go all the way, way, way back to the beginning, to the 7th of April, 1978 33 minutes and 26 seconds of the debut release from Prince on Warner Brothers Records 35 years ago. Wow. It is, of course, Prince for you, the album. What a moment on the Pooch and Black podcast and what a moment in Prince's career. Just look at that album cover. You guys freaking me out. He's got that Ex-
1: what you're talking about kind of look.
0: It's like the exorcist just entered the building. I mean, what's going on there? Supposedly, the dust cover was designed by Prince. So, that's all his own work. And um, we're going to go into this. You better right, he has to folks. do everything, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even at the start. Yeah. Even then. And you know, what, you what, a, what, what, a, what a telling story. Uh, and what a telling moment, really. The whole thing was produced and made by him and all the rest of it. We'll get into that good stuff. Or was it? We'll get to that. Ooh, we will. We might get Chris Moon on the line. No, just kidding, Chris. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to wake him up <laughs> with the time difference and all. Let's get into the show, guys. It's enough of me talking. People are hang sick on, and tired. Hang on, hang on,
2: hang on. Back there, did you say the album was released by Warner Brothers in 1977?
0: That's what. That's what the notes say. In late 1977, Warner's released Prince's debut album for you.
2: But it was April seventh, seventy-eight.
0: Weird, isn't it? What a weird error. I'm reading from the notes of the f- CD release of for you. The booklet. Someone didn't do their homework at Warner Brothers. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. So, let's get into it. Before we do, obviously, let's introduce the panel, the all-important panel, the one and only baddest panel in the land. Hey. It's Player. I'm yours. <laughs> uh, toe jam.
3: Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it was um, MC I'm soft and wet or something like that. But, uh-uh. <laughs> And uh, captain,
2: everything's all right.
0: That's all what right. I was gonna say. Oh, there you go. You guys have been colluding <laughs> again. Uh, and <laughs> it's me, MC. Uh, I'm I'm so excited to get into. <laughs> okay, l- let's get into this album, guys. Before we go into the song by song, there's only nine songs on this uh, CD release and nine on the LP as well. Although they're split into two sides. Any any just general comments that you guys want to put out before we go into the you know in depth discussion.
1: Well, this is the album that he blew the budget for. He spent a lot of time on it and he missed all the deadlines and he he just kept spending all their money. And, yeah, I don't know if they were too happy about it. And he had to make the next album, Prince, to sort of make the money back or prove more of who he was and what he's capable of.
2: How long did he take to record this one?
3: I remember he's even said something in in the press before about him feeling by the time he'd finished doing this album, he felt burnt out because he just spent ages and ages on it.
1: Yeah. 20, 20 years, maybe? <laughs> which is kind of funny, because like in the subsequent years, like, he would just knock songs out really quickly and just keep moving on.
2: Well, even just the next album, he recorded in seven weeks, which is crazy. This album, it's 33 and a half minutes. It's definitely one of his shortest albums that I can think of. This is the album that started it all. These are some of the songs that got him his record deal in the first place. This is it. This is the beginning. It's right here. First album, the first single. He sang all the vocals, he played every instrument, not to mention arranging everything, engineering, producing, blah blah blah. He did it all. <laughs>
0: I think that's I think that sums it up really well. I mean, in a word or in three, one man band.
2: One um, man jam.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's really what this album is. That's a one-man jam, and he, and to demonstrate his abilities, his proficiency in composing, arranging, playing singing, putting together the the album cover, etc. And um and I think the record company the belief that Warner Brothers had in this in this young guy to allow him virtually complete creative and artistic control and freedom and and allow him to be the producer on an album when he's just
1: just shy of twenty years old is Yeah, is unbelievable. See, I think it was the, the youngest ever. And I yeah. think it was the biggest deal at that time ever as well. Like it was a three album deal. I mean, and that's I think it's one of the biggest at the time. Yeah,
0: that's staggering. Yeah, you know, you know, just, just that fact alone. And I think you know everything that that all of you have just said is probably a, a bigger compliment to the album than the songs contained within it. Although we're about to go into <laughs> our thoughts on that. But yeah, Captain, you're right. This is where it all starts.
2: What I want to know is, like you just said, this first deal was a three album deal. What was next? What was the next deal? Like, we all know the big $100 billion deal in um, Diamonds and Pearls, but what were the, what were the ones before that? That's, what, that's I find that interesting because, you know, the deals that they and the money that they'd offer him at each point, you know, that shows where they think he's going to go. So they gave him three albums first off, which was, what, For You, Prince, Dirty Mind. I want to know what came after that. Was it another three-album deal, a six-album deal? Who knows?
0: I reckon it was a 10-album deal.
2: <laughs> it could have been. It could have been. Which, which
0: would take which takes you up to about 9192 so 10 albums worth of material anyway in one form or another I wonder what it was then so, yeah that's interesting so why don't we just start at the beginning there's nine songs on this album and uh, we're gonna start with the shortest one it is the the first one it's entitled for you <laughs> minute and a little bit long and I'll just quickly tell you guys what my thoughts are. Obviously, everyone's going to talk about how it's an acapella intro. There's no instruments really in there. You can hear his voice clearly. The falsetto and the harmonies that would become a trademark in later years, in only a few years time in fact, are right there and at a minute long, a minute or so long, there's really not that much to say about it. I find the lyrics the most interesting. It's a statement of intent. It's like he's saying, yeah. you know, this album and everything that comes after after it is for you. And literally from from what he's singing and from the booklet on the CD version, it reads, all of this and more is for you with love, sincerity and deepest care, my life with you I share. Very intriguing. That That's a very, very interesting, very intriguing album opening to me. Who is he talking to? Who is he dedicating this album to? Is it his family? Is it his friends? Is it to his fans, his future fans? Is it to God? Is it to some other unknown person? Is it to everyone? Uh, Maybe it's to everyone. I'll leave it there. Captain, what are your thoughts on for you?
2: This song, For You, this is the first song, the first album, this this is it, and I like how the first song on his first album, it's just a big vocal showcase, which, like MC said, that's his big signature thing that people recognise, that's a Prince thing. There's some interesting chord progressions on this track, not just on this track, on the album as well, but it's not a long track, it's a minute 07 by my little clock, but it's a great intro to what he can do vocally and, you know, studio-wise, it's just weird to listen to this and think this is the first prince song ever ever released i mean there was you know the songs he wrote before that but this is the first song on the first album and i think we mentioned this on chaos and disorder review that the last track on that album which was sort of his last album for warners that was had you as the last track i think we said that then if we didn't well i just said it now so that was a nice bookend to end it when this was the the first one so yeah that's it
0: okay okay uh player your thoughts on for you that the opening song or the opening intro
2: Yeah, there's not a lot to say.
1: It has the trademark multi layered vocal and the harmonies are really great. It sounds like he's written his own wedding vows as well as a commitment to his listeners. And it's kind of fitting that it's the first song and the experience that he's going to share or take his fans on a journey to. And the other thing that's selling is the actual song title itself. It's not Prince Bonix. So, you Mm. know, he's still kind of, yeah. He's still writing in English. Yes, so it's not completely a Prince thing at the moment. At least the sound is sort of there.
0: Yeah, interesting observation there. Uh, toe Jam.
3: Yeah, it's a. I think you guys have pretty much said it all. Really, I like the chord progression, and as Captain was saying, the chord progressions all the way through this album are uh, kind of interesting, actually, because you know a lot of his albums after this. Uh, you know, it's more its more about the dance and the funk and the party. And so a, a lot higher percentage of his songs on albums were sort of straight, you know, one chord jams. But this album, like pretty much every song is like based around an interesting chord progression. So that's what's unique about this album, I think. It's a little bit Christmas caroly, isn't it? Not, not that that's a bad thing. His falsetto, he's got the falsetto. Like his pitching is, is quite amazing. Like it almost sounds like it's auto-tuned, but it's obviously not. Uh, he's right on tune on some of those chords. But it, I just feel his. His falsetto just doesn't yet have the, the sort of grunt, the, the balls behind it that he would develop later. So Yeah, definitely. Um, that's not a criticism. I mean, the guy's only probably 18 or 19 when he's recording this. but So yeah. it's pretty amazing in that sense. But uh, it's interesting in the uh, looking back at Prince Cannon history, hearing that really raw, unique falsetto that just it was there tuning, but not quite tone wise yet, um, if that makes sense. But yeah, what and um, you know, arrangement-wise, he's got all those the, he's going the, the low bass, doop doop and then he's doing all the pa 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 stuff all over the top of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah, really cool. I mean it's it's just vocals, which is what a cappella is, but um again, pretty staggering <laughs> statement of intent by this young guy from Minneapolis at the time. So and with that we go into track number two, the first real song on the album. It's called In Love. And again, it is a print affair, as is this entire album. Um, I might just add quickly, aside from the usual in vocals and guitars, there's the all bass, uh, the Ms. Poly Moog, the syndromes, the Arp Pro soloist, the Arp String Ensemble. I won't be reading out all the instruments on all the songs, but just to give listeners an idea of um, some interesting instruments and instrument concoctions that he was coming up with uh, already so early in his career, just trying to be different. Tojam, why don't you open this one for us? I quite like this song. I like the
3: way the song for you finishes in uh, you know, F major. And then this one starts bang straight on F minor, so they almost sound like they're supposed to come after the other. It's got that big fat sort of synth hook. No, that that sort of stuff's running all the way through the album too. These big sort of long synth string sort of hooks. But then the song sort of just goes back into A-flat major and it's a nice little poppy, happy song. I like the percussion in the background. It's, it all seems to be phased or like some sort of phaser effect or and a bit of reverb, a bit of chorus. It sounds very slippery, all the percussion going on in the background. Very lush. And it's sort of the classic, you know, it goes along and then there's a stop and you hear him go, oh, I'm falling. And then the band comes back in, nice little. So, you know, even at this stage, it shows he's got a good grasp of arrangement and composition. And I like the way the, you know, the chord progression is basically just sort of revolving around A flat major, uh, B flat minor, and then G flat major. So it's pretty much the whole way through. But then you've got this sort of held note, the sixth, which sort of works really nicely in each three chords. I'll try and give you an example. That. Dun, dun, dun. so that notes like it sort of moves around but that droning f running through it is a nice little sound to it so yeah I quite like the song yeah that'll do cool cool cool
1: player uh, your thoughts on in love okay in love yeah like Toad sound it's it's a it's a nice pop track the keyboards and the synth lines have a very wet sound to them that's how I see it and there's bits and pieces in this song that I hear that's like a precursor to the next track there's little bits where it kind of sounds like soft and wet. The melody is nice, but it's nothing standout or memorable, but it's enjoyable to listen to in the moment. I, I like the song in the moment, but it's nothing that I can recall if I, you know, if someone asked me about it, but yeah, it's a cool song.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm very much like you player. Actually, I had, I had similar notes after listening to this. It's a largely forgettable melody uh, in this song. In fact, I can't remember it for the life of me at the moment. And it's really light funk as well. Like it's, It sounds like 70s porn music to me, not that I would be (laughs) overly familiar with with those sorts of sounds, but... Come on, um, man.
1: I've seen your collection.
0: (laughs) The synths are in the foreground and, you know, the, the lyrics already at this very, very early stage in his career have that sexual innuendo and the references and the long lines on the keyboards as well. Those long elongated notes, they're present already. I, I actually find this track, now that we know what we know and how familiar we are with Prince's career, this is actually a skippable song almost, or almost a skippable song, which is interesting because you'd think that after, you know, the 4 You" acapella introduction, you'd really want to start off with a bang. I would have thought Soft and Wet would have been the perfect opener, but um what do I know? We'll get into that song in a second. Uh, that's about it. Captain, your thoughts on In Love?
2: This album is still sort of coming out of the disco era, and it's disco-ish, which is fine with me since I like disco. But this song's, this song's sort of half disco, half funk. Like you said, it's funk light. It's, not, it's just sort of there. But it's this one that's too light and fluffy for me. I like the synth lead line. It's really the only thing that catches my ear in this whole song. But it's good to see he started on his first album, you know, almost the first song with the the lyrics, I really want to play in your river. You know, set the tone early. That's the way. It's good stuff. Uh, And this is one track I don't think he's ever played live to this day. So he'll probably pull it out sometime this year. I think that goes (laughs) for
3: most of the tracks. I think that goes for most of the tracks on this album. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Even the ones he has played, they're certainly not regulars.
2: Yeah, it's it's okay, but it's yeah, it is a pretty forgettable song.
0: Okay, it's just a song. Already, already into his career, he was writing
2: (laughs) just the songs.
0: Yeah, just (laughs) the.
3: It's his very first, just a song.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Yep. Track number three, soft and wet. The big single, dare I say it, the big hit single from this album. Player, what are your thoughts on this?
1: To me, this is a, like a roller skating jam. Every time I th- hear this song, I think of like like a 70s roller skating arena sort of thing and disco lights and stuff. Even though it's funky, it does have a disco feel to it mm-hmm. and disco elements. But um, it's definitely the standout of the album It sort of stands shoulders over the other songs. I like the synths and the keyboards there really the standout. It's nothing like the nitty gritty that I can pick out as cool moments, but it is a cool song to listen to. It's it's bright, it's happy and soft and wet. Toe
0: Jam, I reckon this is one of your jams, soft and wet.
3: Uh yeah, it's it's that mix of funk and disco, isn't it? Like the, the main verse is funk and then the sort of I guess you'd call it the bridge section is just straight disco. It's very sort of stop start groove. Real classic bluesy kind of groove it's got a synth solo in there that's very sort of pre-head think kind of solo if you know what i mean it's pretty cool sort of showing off his solo skills on the keyboards you got that synth string line sort of running all through it again uh those sort of long notes i I really like that stuff i like the bit in the middle where he sort of stops and talks about his hit me with your breath this kind of thing playing around with the arrangement again good stuff and also like the way for you starts in f in love starts in F minor but then goes to A flat major and then this one is sort of in A flat sort of blues I guess not blues progression but that sort of bluesy sound. So I like the way the first three songs all kind of flow fairly nicely together with the way the keys are worked out. Uh, I don't know if that's intentional or just a coincidence. Uh, And this is the first song where you actually hear him sort of hit some low notes as well. Tell me that you love me girl. It's like oh I can hit him down there too. There you go. What did you know? That's all I got for Soft and Wet. It's a pretty funky song nothing super special but a very good first pop I guess he's trying it's his first attempt at a hit isn't it really when you think about it um, and it's not a bad first attempt yeah and I think
0: I mean I think it was a minor hit especially in in Minneapolis
3: I think is it Wendy or Lisa one of them said that they were like 16 and they heard this in a club yeah, and they were like I'm a, you know yeah and they have to go and find out who this guy is kind of thing
0: yeah And and I think it was Wendy who said that and, you know, most of us weren't born back then, but you could imagine that feeling because I think this more than any other song on this album, it's the obvious pop single, which is why it was released as a single, but it's got so many, how do I put this? So many infant classic Prince elements. You know, there were they were elements that he would develop more fully later. But you can, if you listen closely enough, you can hear the the bubbling keys, the the um, stop start rhythms, the the harmonies over this disco funk baseline. And um, you can hear a bit of that. Almost chicken scratch guitar In that it yeah. That sort of thing Yeah It's it's like And that's what That's what was really interesting Listening to this album I mean I very rarely listen to it Very rarely You know Maybe once every few years Which is astonishing But listening to this album For this review It was it was just pretty cool to, to pick out all these little things That you had forgotten about And, and it, it's a great Door into his universe Obviously it's his first album And you hear all these Like really early ideas And yeah I mean look More soft and wet More sexual imagery And, and innuendo More more falsetto coming into its own a little bit more, but still very, very um, raw and kind of loose, the range of his singing abilities, you, you get that taste for it here, but it's still underdeveloped. Great use of timing in the beat and the rhythms already at such a young age. It's like, it's cool to hear. Um, it's a little funky track. You got the funky keyboard solo and really at the end of the day, it's just this playful, fun song. I can understand why it was released as a single. And and also, it's a 20-year-old writing about sex. I mean, let's, let's face the facts. That's really what it was. But even listening to it now, I get that. I, I get pleasure listening to it many, many years later. Captain, round this one out for us.
2: What's this song got to do about sex? <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's talking about You're sponge cake. Come on. You're doing <laughs> it wrong then.
2: <laughs> okay, the big single. Not only the first single released from this album, again, this was the first Prince single ever. And what a song. It's just funny. The first single he puts out, it's like, yes, I'm Prince, and here's all my sex stuff that you need to know. Best thing about this track, which I never noticed before, there's this super funky... Stevie Wonder-esque clavinet sounding keyboard going behind the verses. You can probably hear it best from 19 seconds to 34 seconds when the main synths aren't doing their thing. It's really funky. ToeGem said, yeah, 132 you got the synth solo. That's definitely a, a blueprint for how Prince wanted his future keyboard you know, solos to sound like. And if you didn't know any better, you'd say it was Dr. Fink already if you didn't know he wasn't there.
3: Well, it could be. I don't know. I don't know if he was... Was he around then? I I don't
2: know. I don't think so. But no, this album was all recorded by Prince. Uh, Isn't that right?
3: We'll get to that.
2: (laughs) The song itself, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't like the start stoppiness of it. It's just a bit irritating to me. So I do prefer the disco mix, which you probably might have heard, which seems more funky to me. It's more syncopated. It just flows better with that beat behind it. And that's all I've got to say about this one. No one's going to mention MC Hammer.
3: Let's not forget that... uh... An absolute favourite in the rap community. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so MC Listen Hammer.
2: Favourite in my house.
3: <laughs> One of the first albums in my household, I think my older brother bought the MC Hammer album. Please, and,
2: Hammer, don't hurt him?
3: Yeah, he went, so he's a couple of years older than me, so I was like a kid. And that wasn't Hammer's
2: was first
1: album, though. No. Oh, it no. wasn't?
3: Oh, there you go. But anyway, so I remember this song, like just sort of reminds me of my childhood, because I remember my older brother would play it. And then I remember hearing this and going, oh, this is that MC Hammer song. But it's wait a second, it's Prince and he sounds like it he sounds like a little boy. <laughs> that's all my that's all I got.
0: <laughs> Please hammer don't hurt him. I'm gonna use that next time. Please MC don't hurt him. That um, is a
2: great album. When do we review that?
0: On one song. That's our spin-off show. Coming <laughs> coming to you. To, something B is coming in two thousand and
2: thirteen. What one episode a year.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> And with that, let's go full force into track number four. It's a nice little ditty. It's called Crazy You. My thoughts on this a nice little acoustic mood change up around this part of the album and to me it's similar and in fact i think entirely indebted to the Joni mitchell sound is, is all is what i'll call it this is prince doing his version of Joni mitchell in my opinion good execution nice vocals already really showing so much promise in his delivery i mean he's singing like a seasoned singer really singing like a seasoned singer say that 20 times quickly no. Little bells and whistles all throughout. I think literally there might be bells and whistles throughout this, yep. this track. Over two minutes of music. Um, I like it. It's a cool change-up from what came before. Captain?
2: Second shortest track on this album apart from the first track. It's two minutes, 17 seconds. But it doesn't seem that short. It seems just the right amount of time. And and still 30 seconds of that is fade out yeah Uh, it's a nice little acoustic track he's obviously having fun in the studio with the pan everything's like left and right and left and right and all over the place and those set those weird sounds they get a bit distracting it sounds like sort of water drops and there's just weird sounds and then there's the death laser at 47 seconds i don't know what that's about this could have fit nicely on the truth acoustic album because it's just a nice little acoustic song with a bunch of weird sounds stuck over the top of it, and there's even there's even bits in there remind me a bit of Dolphin with the some of the effects that he uses. But yeah, it's okay. That's it. All right. All right. Uh, toe Jam.
3: Yeah, it's really only a minute and thirty two seconds long, isn't it? Because then from that last from then on, it's just a big fade out. Mm, yep. So it's really just what is it? Four or five chords and a little synth hook, and then the melody, and that's that's pretty much it. But I really like the the chords in the synth hook And I'll give you a little demonstration Obviously the first chord is G G major 7 But then he starts the synth hook On the sharp 4 Very nice note And there's that clash again, sort of a clash, I guess. Um, so again, you know, he's only, what, 18, 19, and he's got some really nice chord progression ideas happening. Something I, I wish he'd explore a bit more, I think. I like the sentiment of the song. It's very simple. He sort of delays his vocal, sort of holds back a bit. Again, trying to show his Joni Mitchell chops, I guess you'd say. It's a nice little song.
0: All
1: right, uh player. Yeah, this is all about the vibe more than anything. Um, I saw someone whose name escapes me at the moment covered this on YouTube a couple of years back, and I hadn't heard this in years. And I thought, yeah, this this song's the cut. Like, it's, it's a pretty cool song. I love the acoustic vibe of it, and I love the incidental sounds that fly around whilst the song's playing. Unlike Captain, that um, Death Laser. Yeah, you know what I think of when I hear the Death Laser? I think of you, actually.
0: <laughs>
1: pew 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 pew. <laughs> It's very trance-like and it's hypnotic when I listen to it. His vocal is really nice on this. And I wouldn't mind seeing him seeing revisit this one because it's almost a forgotten gem. It wouldn't even go amiss on the, uh, if this was on the recent Andy Allo album. It's kind of like the same sort of acoustic vibe.
0: You can very easily hear Andy just singing this straight out in one take. Oh, and yeah. It's sounding
1: great. Yeah, definitely. So that's it, Crazy You.
3: Yeah, I just forgot to mention as well, this song also, like, In Love, And Soft and Wet and a lot of the others also has that very wet percussion going on in the background. I think they, you know, some bongos and some congas going on. Again, a bit of reverb, a bit of phase on them, a bit of chorus. It all sounds very wet in the background. So, nice
0: effect. And uh, with that little ditty, we go to the longest song on the album at uh, almost six and a half minutes. It's track number five, Just As Long As We're Together. Toe Jam, start this off again.
3: Well, this is by far the best song on the album. Who agrees? Who's with me? No one. Wow.
2: wow. <laughs> <laughs> Not this wow, time, think, buddy.
3: <laughs> well, this is probably the only song on the album that I would say is worthy of his later material. I think this song is a is the jam so there's so much happening in here it's like every every 20 seconds there's something new happening chord progression again it's moving along all the time there's two or three different sections yeah just it sounds like he spent forever working on this song because all the instruments are, are, are on the go to the max doing all this stuff and uh for me I, I just love the last half it, it's the song's only like three minutes long or so and then the last two and a half three minutes is just instrumental funk workout which i love I think it's awesome and he's got so many cool ideas in there like the way that sort of builds and guitar stuff and little synth hooks and little solos and little bass pops. It's it's happening all over the place. You've got the bongos again, all this wet percussion going on in the background. And it builds. That that bit at 3 minutes to 3.30 where it's just... Just going all over the place. Great stuff. Yeah, it's got a little... I never made this connection before, but we all know the song Alphabet Street, right?
2: No? What's that?
3: You don't know the song Alphabet Street. What's that on? I don't know. It hasn't been released yet. okay so we all know alphabet street how it has that that little line so this one has sort of a really similar line this is like wow it's a bit of alphabet street in there i never noticed that before it's not exactly the same slightly different but that same idea of this little really fast little run in the last couple of beats before going on so that's kind of cool lots of larry graham bass octave bass just going all over the place he's slapping it hard sounds good um, yeah this song is, is the jam and I think there's a disco mix of this one too isn't there there's a disco mix which has
1: Pepe's uh,
3: 12 disco. inch disco no 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 it's got disco other stuff dance. it's got a whole there other a- bass section um, and it's funky too
2: there is a disco mix yeah
3: yeah what a song, a song. this song is amazing, amazing I think I would yeah. love to see him revisit
0: this that would be cool makes one
3: of us uh, Captain what are your thoughts on this
2: okay this is the second single released from this album came out seven months after the album so we go from almost the shortest track on the album to the longest, and this is a pretty good pop song. I'm sure this got a lot of play in the the clubs back in the day. The chorus really starts going off at the, the everything's alright bit, and it's good to hear some lower register vocals after mostly falsetto up until now. But the funk really kicks off just over two minutes, and it gets really groovy and funky, and then... Uh, it's about 3.30, the bass starts going off, and you've got these funky keyboards in the background, and these, uh, these, you get these little guitar licks getting thrown in all over the place. There's hand claps and finger snaps, and it's really good. I'd totally forgotten how good this song the actual song's okay, but this other part of it is just excellent. It's one of the best couple of minutes on this this whole album. And I've probably heard this track less than ten times ever. That's just not a song I'd listen to, hardly ever. But I'm gonna I'm gonna somehow cut out (laughs) the first part and just get the last part, the funky part, and put it in some sort of playlist because it's good. The bass and guitar in the middle half funk part of this track is just excellent. And that's it.
0: All right, Player, what are your thoughts on on the song, on this fifth song on the album, the song that closes out side one on the LP?
1: Um, To be honest, I think this is a pretty dated song. It has the disco vibe on it. The turnaround section reminds me of two things. One of it is a little bit of the outro of Daddy Pop.
2: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Eh. the bit of Alphabet Street, it's also like the end of Daddy Pop. There we go. This is Daddy Pop's grandfather. Um. It's a grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: that's granddaddy pop Uh the other thing that turnaround section sounds like a tv uh, like a 70s tv game show theme music it just i don't know it just i'm pretty sure it was cool at the time but now it just it just kind of comes off as kind of a bit dated yeah it's like it's okay but nothing memorable for me i do agree though that 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 last part after the main song where it sort of kicks into the jam that's pretty good and i think he did that deliberately to sort of show off like what he could do with all the instruments and stuff which that's is it's pretty impressive and i'm sure they were impressed by at the time so
3: and given that that's this is the only song on the album where he really goes out for that instrumental jam session. Yes, like if, if the whole album there. was like that it could be a bit but you know it's one track let him it's his first album let him have a bit of a yeah have a bit of a play around
1: Exactly. So, yeah, that part's good, but as a whole, I think it's a, just a bit dated.
2: It's, this song sounds like it was 35 years old.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
2: So dated.
0: <laughs> Here he goes again. <laughs> the player, this is, I think, the second or third time I'm agreeing with you tonight. This is a light disco funk track that is that does sound incredibly... Just disco.
2: Nothing wrong with disco.
0: (laughs) Much more disco than funk. Yeah, I'd rather listen to Donna Summer or The Emotions any day. Chic, chic. Yeah, exactly. Give us some Nile Rodgers groove. Uh, Oh, yeah. This is an all right groove, but yet again, not very very memorable. and, And trying, really trying hard for that emotion sound, you know, that best of my love approach yeah yeah and uh sound like that yeah there are parts of this song that, that i could swear are just invariably similar to, to that song but some cool there's some cool signs here of some rhythm scratch guitar in in the um in the background the bass is thumping by this young funkster from you know from mini a couple of breakdowns introducing that classic element of prince's future sound you know the sound to come both on record and on the stage you know the, the next few albums, really he really started just getting a groove, breaking it down and killing it to death, you know, and he did that in the live arena yeah. as well. And uh, this is a very, very small glimpse. I mean, if Prince did a Rodriguez and only came out with this album and, and his second album, Prince, and then never did anything for 40 years, it, it, this would be a very different show <laughs> to start with. But it sounds like he's experimenting for the first time with song structures, but it's a tough listen. To me, it's really not my thing. It's just, I think I'm clouded by all the amazing funk jams that he would um, record later on. So, yeah. That's my review. And um, with that, we go into track number six. It's one word, it's baby. Baby, what are we gonna do? I don't want to regret what i done to you. No. It's just over three minutes long and it's um captain's time to take us into this
2: of course i would have to go first on this one this is the signature ballad of the album i guess and for being the first real released prince ballad it's definitely a sign of what's going to come later you can already see the signs he's starting to get the lush backing vocals the big falsetto main vocals uh i heard the lyrics in there you i truly adore so that's he's, he's reused a few things that's a big pointer to the future right there but it's i'm not really into ballads and this one's not that great and
0: probably for the first time on the Peach and Black podcast, because my review is so short, I'll just butt in uh, in front of <laughs> the other two guys now and say that I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> this is a ballad that comes off a bit lame and cliche. And, you know, it's in that Delphonic stylistics, Anthony and the Imperials mold. But nonetheless, it's, I mean, look, it's an impressive one-man band performance. The arranging is good and and the all-around one-man band jam is, is good, but this is just so syrupy, sickly sweet, really difficult to listen to. Um, even, especially- even,
2: even the name of the song. Yeah. And the,
0: there's, there's a part at, at, towards the end of the song where um, I can't remember the lyric, but it's something like he's talking about the man that he's going to be. And I'm thinking the guy's 19 years old, you know. He, he <laughs> should have changed that to guy. I think man, the word man should have been changed to guy in that instance, but that's just me being picky.
1: Anyway, player. Uh, I'm surprised that you didn't say the first track of Side 2, MC. <laughs> you beat me uh, to it <laughs> His vocal on this is nice I think this song is Like dated to You know like the last track There's musical parts in it though That sound like I hate you There's a couple of times that gets repeated in there And it sounds like I'm a part of I hate you I um, that. Yeah. that yeah. The guitar is really nicely recorded But otherwise I'm with you guys It's a pretty fluffy song Yeah I don't have much on it at all
0: Okay well on that note player Do you have more to, to talk about um, if I give you the floor with track number seven, My Love Is Forever. Oh, hold on.
1: What about Toe Jam? <laughs> um, Toe Jam's got to do his baby. Yeah, all right. I totally <laughs> forgot about
0: that. <laughs> Toe
3: Jam, baby. Okay. Uh, now, before I get to the actual song, this is the thing I've been trying to find out for years and years. There is clearly a string section on this track, and it's not a synth string. It's clearly an, an actual proper string section. And um, I remember putting a post up on on Prince Org years and years ago, trying to find out if anyone knows who plays the strings on this track. So, there we go. Anyone out there knows?
0: Well, since you've opened up this can of worms, supposedly the strings on this song were recorded a few times by a local orchestra or ensemble, but they were not present on the actual release And um, they were replaced with a um, synth string.
3: Oh, you can hear it. It's clearly acoustic strings.
0: Clearly. Well, I don't know. My, well, my, the, my only, the, headphones. Only the only way to settle headphones. You need the headphones.
2: The only way to settle this, Prince, get on the show. Huh.
3: No, no. If the you listen way. on headphones, it's clearly a string section. And yeah, it's strange that they never credited them, whether they wanted to have this whole one-man band thing or whether they just yeah. forgot or they took no, it out no, no. and they, and then, yeah. No, it's, it's,
1: t- it's to market Prince as a, as a one-man band. If they had a string section there, that takes that away. Yeah. So they probably just made them anonymous.
3: Hmm. So there we go, a bit of a mystery out there For any Prince discography nerds Okay, so the song itself, the whole thing's kind of built around this You know, it's, it's singing to his baby About their forthcoming baby And it's kind of like <laughs> What a great play on words I mean, it's you know, it's a bit trite, isn't it? It's very Stevie Wonder I can imagine Stevie Wonder doing like that doo All this kind of stuff And there's a nice little bit where it goes Guitar, guitar You know, that's a nice little arrangement bit Almost a bit humorous But it's better than another ballad that's on the song, which we'll get to. But it is. It's pretty skippable, really, isn't it? Damn straight. (gasps) My Love is Forever. forever.
0: That's track number seven. Play as the man to introduce this to our audience. Go right ahead.
1: My Love Is Forever. Uh, it sounds pretty happy, major key type stuff. But for me, it's just not memorable enough to retain my attention. But like um, some of the other songs on this album, it's, it's nice in the moment. But trying to recall it, like it's, it's pretty hard to ask. So yeah, nothing on
0: mm. it for me. Captain, this got anything for you?
2: Finally, an electric guitar. Electric guitar solo. Apart from that, most skippable track on the album. Uh, (laughs) I mean, when I listen to this song and I'm thinking, it's not that great. Then there's a, a bit of guitar and I'm like, oh, it's okay. But then I start thinking, this is his first album. He recorded everything. He produced everything. Production is pretty damn amazing. But just, it's the quality of the songs that bring it down. I mean, apart from that, it's good. But electric guitar, the best thing on this track, that's about all I've got to say. I mean, even the chorus, it's so, it's not even a chorus. He just sort of sings it. Every time he sings My Love is Forever, it's, he sings it differently. And it's sort of not even, it just sings it anywhere. It doesn't seem to fit wherever he says it. It's just a bit of a muddled up thing, this song, I think.
0: Yeah, again, I I see what you're saying It's a little bit muddled And the melody's not very memorable Very much sounds to me like earth, wind and fire But of course the amazing thing is A piece of music that was composed, arranged Most importantly completely played by one guy Is is just astounding I mean to think that he put all this together Virtually on his own Or completely on his own Is mind-blowing And it's such an early stage However you're right Captain The strength of the song isn't that great um, It's really his first guitar solo on record Mm. Um, and not a bad one. I, and I, it's I a thought, nice
2: one, too. Yeah, a
0: good, a good start, I think. But for me, the song still has that 70s porn vibe um, <laughs> with some nice arrangement. You can take that as a play of words if you wish. Toe Jam.
2: No <laughs> one can arrange 70s porn music like Prince can. That's right, <laughs> back in <laughs> 1978.
3: <laughs> Toe jam. Yeah, it's, it's pretty similar to In Love, isn't it? It's like it's sort of that dislight disco funk stuff. I don't think this is as good as In Love. I haven't got much more to say to it, really. Like I, I, I don't mind listening to it. There's nothing that stands out to me that I think, oh, that's really terrible. But it just kind of plods along, and you kind of you enjoy it while it's on. But then when it's over, it's like, oh, okay. You, you kind of forget it's even there. So like, yeah, I don't have much more to say. It's it's similar sound to the rest of the album, same sort of synths and guitar sounds and percussion, and you know this. I guess this song kind of summarizes the album in a sense, but it's kind of just sort of in there, and you don't really notice it.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It is quite um not memorable, probably. <laughs> A good summary, potentially, of this entire album. I can't believe I'm saying it, but, you know, it's just such a... It's a really entry level. Obviously, it's his debut. It's very difficult. I don't know about you guys, but I'm struggling to talk about this album in a way because we are It sounds like
3: we're paying it out, but we're not. Like, I don't know about you guys. I enjoy the album, but it's just yeah. not super.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think... Yeah, you're right. It's not super by comparison to the incredible music that came afterwards, but, but it is... Incredibly Interesting to listen to And speaking of listening uh, We all listened to Track number 8 Earlier today And earlier this week Let's talk about Track number 8 It is So Blue
2: Talking to myself oh, I am so blue
0: And um, taking it to uh, Toe Jam to open up Okay
3: this one is The most skippable I think It's It's just one verse One chorus too many By the end of it I'm like oh jeez do i have to keep listening to this you know it's a very long sort of slow drawn out sad song i like the intro to the song actually that's probably my favorite part where he's got the bass going and these sort of long harmonic chords going on that's the best bit the song just sort of plods along doesn't it it'd be interesting it might be have potential if he reworked it nowadays but yeah like i said it's just one verse one chorus too many and after about two minutes of it i'm done with it i don't normally skip it so most skippable track on the album
0: Okay, we've heard most skippable a few times now. I think the inventor of that phrase is coming up next, Mr. Captain.
2: <laughs> I like, yeah, like Turjam said, I like the intro riff. I wish the whole song stayed like that, because that's the best part of the song. <laughs> yeah, this song's okay. I like the chord progression. It's pretty much just a standard blues or something basically but even this early on you see him taking a fairly standard chord progression and then he puts his own little twists and turns in there just it's a fun.
3: long chord progression too there's probably like a good you know eight or nine mm. chords in the sort of turnaround you should call it
2: yeah and there's you got some nice brushes used on the drums that's not a, a common thing you hear in prince tracks very much but yeah unfortunately this is just a song
0: Hard to disagree with you there, Captain. I think the nice kind of fretless sounding bass played at the beginning and the acoustic guitar strumming is nice to listen to. It's nice, light and it's chilled. It's a chilled out track. The good vocals is definitely creating a mood. Although it's not memorable, I think this song contains his best falsetto so far and in fact the best falsetto vocal performance on this album and really a sign of of things to come in the next probably two to three albums. But yeah. I guess I have to um, agree with you. It's just a song player.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree as well. This is another one that sounds like it comes from the Andy L.A. book. And that's not a bad thing. It just doesn't draw me in uh, intensely like his other work. for what it is, it's a nice acoustic song. I'm going to take an acoustic song on this album and it'd be Crazy You. And yeah, I guess this one would be like the more skippable.
2: Even though I don't like... This sort of, this line of thinking, but I'm going to say it anyway. If he kept the best tracks from For You and The Prince album, it would have been a killer album. There's there's a bit of filler on both. There's a, there's a fair few just just songs, which are just there for the sake of being a song on an album. So I just had to say that. That's
0: all. Ah, shoulda told ya, shoulda, woulda,
2: coulda. Yeah. Anyway, moving on.
0: And with that, we come to the end of this album with the last track. It is song number nine. It is called I'm Yours. Interesting how he starts the album with a piece entitled For You. And then finally, by the end of the album, he's all yours, whoever (laughs) you are. Let's hand this over to Captain. Get his uh, get his oh. thoughts on this final song.
2: Now, of course, this is one of the best tracks on the album. Even from the very start, he wanted to show, look at me, I can do it all. He's done a bit of disco, he's done a bit of funk, and now he's just going to do rock and just kill you with it. It's killer guitar riff. I can't believe it took him 31 years before he played this song live, and he only played it once, and he hasn't mm-hmm. played it since which just blows my mind. He played this at, I think, the Conga Room that night. He did three nights in LA at Nokia something. I think he played it with Sonny T and Michael B, that show. It's the only time he's ever played this song. I can't believe he took him that long to play it, and he hasn't played it since. It's just a killer song. It's got this monster scream 28 seconds in. Uh, there's so many bits. He's got this huge screaming, shredding guitar solo at 128. Oh, this song. This song has a bass guitar and electric guitar duel starting at 259 it goes on for over a minute and a half like the bass does a big solo then the guitar does a solo then the bass does a solo and the guitar does a solo it is insane and then there's a few big drum fills then there's a big drum fill then you got a breakdown 436 and this song it's nah forget it it's the best song on the album I said it was one of the best but it, it's the best I was considering just as long as we're together with the big funk middle and end, but this song beats it, kills it, the
0: <laughs> Okay, okay, interesting. This Player. is a song
2: Whoa. that needs to be played live.
0: Yeah, I think this is a song that needs to be remastered, but I'll get to that in a second. Player.
1: Yeah, I agree with Captain. I like this song a lot. To me, it sounds like the rock of that late 70s era, especially Kiss, the group, not the Prince song. The drum feels particularly make me make that, make that connection. Mm. But yeah, what a way to close the album with a rocking track. Great rock power chords. A song like this, I could see Third Eye Girl demolishing if this if they brought this back. Ooh, now I there's a prediction. Yeah. Yeah, that's a prediction.
3: There's a prediction. Mm. There's a prediction.
1: So it's another one I wouldn't mind him revisiting. You know, maybe this should have been the the second track on the album, just to give like the you know start the record with a bit of a bang. But like I'm looking at the track listing now, like the second half of this album is all sort of this is like probably the the best song on the second half of the album. So he couldn't have put all the good stuff at the start and left the record to die out. So for it to close, it's it's a pretty good closing track.
2: It is a killer killer closing track. Yeah. Out of every track on this album, I can't think of a better closing track, except maybe just as long as we're together, which ends with the big funk end. But this still, this is still better than that.
0: Oh, well. In a way, I agree with you guys, and in a way, I don't. I mean, on one hand, it's like, wow, what a way to end it. This guy can actually rock out a little bit too. On the a other hand, a little bit. Oh. <laughs> on the- he <laughs> rocked the socks off. On the other hand, I think this is—it um, doesn't fit on the album, the concept of the album, the sound of the album at all. I find his his um, the vocals are kind of muddy and mm-hmm. um, strange. Uh, when I listen to this, I've always got mixed feelings. I think that whoever said that Third Eye Girl would rock this live was right, and I think it would sound a lot better in a live setting than it than it does. Um, I think it also needs to be remastered or, or really brought to. Like it's just the drums sound so. Tinny and the, the bass is hardly I mean it's not as thick as it should be So I think audibly speaking This song probably tore the roof off in the studio But what we're listening to back on CD Just doesn't cut it for me The other thing is it's not It's not unbelievable It's just unbelievable that a guy his age You know already was showing such incredible Musicianship and compositional and forward thinking musical pedigree But it's strange, it's strange You know, you've got this great d- drumming, a- bass and guitar work by the one man band I.e. Prince, you know Sit down, it's not a band, it's just one guy Just um, one guy uh, But it's, it's strange it's because it's this- <laughs> It's this life <laughs> So I said, wait, wait till you hear this It, it is a strange, um Light disco rock mix. I, I think this song more than any other on this album, maybe Baby also is similar with, with what I'm about to say. He's not really sure of himself yet. His falsetto doesn't really suit the hard rock sound. He, he did a better version of that sound on, on the next album. And we'll talk about that soon, I guess. It sounds heavily influenced by funk, especially in the bass parts. Um, and I think heavily indebted uh, and owing to to Larry Graham on this, whether uh, he'll care to admit it or not. But the main riff is so familiar, I have to say, I don't like it. That, it's like I almost feel like it's I don't know what the, what the movie would be or what the TV, but it's it's some cop series from the, from the mid yeah, to yeah. late seventies. It's like uh, yeah. they're like getting into the car and they they're, they're out on a stakeout.
3: Actually- um, that little bit, they used to play it as like the warm-up music, like, you know, the NBA, like some of the stadiums would play it, some of the actual NBA TV shows would, would have that music as like the rev up music. Coming up on TNT, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the Mavericks versus the Lakers. it's did, seriously, I remember it.
0: It's so cheesy. That sounded so cheesy and I just think of like buddy cop movies. And, sliding um,
2: across the bonnet.
0: Yeah, and I think the of wood. what's that? What's that guy with the big mustache? Tom Selleck. I think of <laughs> I think of Tom Selleck and the guy from Miami Vice just jumping into their oh, Cadillac. No, like, you,
3: just, you ruined this John song, Johnson. For
0: me. Jo- yeah, yeah, Don John Johnson. <laughs> that's right. That's right, Don John Johnson. Um, <laughs> jumping into the Cadillac, like you know, chasing the crooks. All, all, <laughs> all, all the while, they've got their the, you know their shirts open with their chains hanging out and, and wind flowing through their hair and all this chewing gum and all this kind of stuff. It's just. It's so cheesy and corny. It takes away from no, this song, and no, I no, think you guys no. are getting way too excited over just hearing him strum rock. out, rock out a little bit. And I look, I get that too. But as far as the song itself goes, it's really not that great. Just like majority of this album,
2: this song is great. Th-
0: th- this album and this song and everything about this er- this this time in his career. Is planting the seed for what would yeah. become one of the most awe-inspiring, pioneering, influential, all around incredible careers in not only music, but any field or form of art yeah. uh, and creative expression. So, I think we're putting a lot on this early album. You know, like some debut albums are just mind-blowing and then the artist never recovers and never produces anything uh, that can hold a candle to it. Prince's career is like the opposite. He started out with this solid experimental debut that was marketed very, very well. And then he just, you know, over the next however many years, exploded and became one of the greatest pop um, musicians and artists of all time, in my opinion. But yeah, this song is <laughs> not incredible. Toe Jam, close uh, I'm it I'm sort
3: of with you on this one, actually. This is a bit... It's not Bambi, is it? I mean, how much better is Bambi, like, as a song, than this one? Because, you know, Bambi has a better story, it has a better structure. Like, this is just a a big rock out, really. And my biggest problem with this song has always been, I can't understand the vocals one bit. I cannot ever make out what he's singing. (laughs) Occasionally it breaks down and I can hear him say something like, Never have I wanted to
2: till now.
3: That's the only bit I can ever understand. I can never understand what the hell he's singing about. He needs to have his vocals, and that, that's what I was saying earlier with the "For You" song, is that his falsetto's there, tuning-wise, but there's just no g- balls behind it yet, which is fair enough, he's only 18. So yeah, having said that, I totally agree that that intro, that hook line is, is really <laughs> cheesy, but, you know, I mean, come on, the NBA used to play it for their wherever music, so it must have got someone's attention.
2: I mean, it might sound cheesy now, but yeah. he made no, it. Yeah, yeah, it's
3: good for what it is, yeah.
2: He made it then,
3: yeah, so, and then
2: so, so, it would have been new and cool, and no one would have heard anything like that then.
3: As Captain was saying, that having said all that, the solos are pretty cool. You can't deny that. They're wicked solos all the way through. But five minutes? Five minutes of just jam solos? Okay. So, yeah, this is a, a kind of a 50-50 song for me because there's so much potential here and there's so much rock and solos, but it's kind of spoiled by the mixing and um, they're just kind of slightly... What's the word? Slightly... Well, it's just not quite there yet. That's that's all I can think of. It's it's, it's, it's The seeds are there, but it's just not quite there as a song.
2: A minute and a half of bass guitar and electric guitar dueling. Yeah, I actually find is, that even that even that bit I find goes. Who's going to put to that chill. on their? Who's going to put that on their debut album? Well, crazy. I think it's an important. Song. It's a, I find
3: that's a disservice. Like it's a disservice. It goes for too long that bit. Captain, who's oh. gonna put that? On,
0: who's gonna put that on their debut album? Have you, by any chance, heard? Are you experienced by the Jimi Hendrix experience? Oh, I what don't listen to that. Album?
2: He he was a time traveler. He just came to the future and ripped off all Prince's moves. <laughs> <laughs> Same with that, that Sly Stone, James Brown. They all just copied Prince. I'm sure of it.
0: <laughs> Very good. And and everyone copied Little Richard, obviously. But oh, let's of let, course,
2: let's everyone. I think I
1: I'm yours. Though it's an important song because you know for the first album being a black artist, like. He could have just easily done a complete R&B album, but, you know, he he sort of made it a point to, like, put a mix of styles on there, even, like, from Mm. early on. So, you know, I think it's important that he did have some sort of rock song on there, whether it Mm. fit or worked, you know, is another thing. But I think, you know, he did clearly make the intention to, you know, show that not only he could play all the instruments, but also, you know, show off. A diverse range of
2: styles as well. Mm. That's very interesting because controversy and especially 99 and Purple Rain, they're so obviously crossover albums to get a lot more white audience. But mm. even on this first album, he puts a rock track like this, which to me, you know, he could have easily done a black album and just done all R&B and you know funk which is and probably what ballads.
1: probably Warner Brothers probably wanted as well. They probably wanted to stereotype him and box him into, you know, being in, you know, a certain way. Yeah. And he's like, no, maybe you don't know. It could have been the other way around. It could have been the other way round. Like
2: they might might have wanted him to put on a track to get more white audience, even then.
3: I'm sure whoever signed him, like I'm sure they would have seen the potential that you know this guy has crossover potential. The
0: guys want to score the album. I'm actually going to refuse to score the album because I don't think I can score this fairly. There's just too many factors to consider. When you when it really comes oh, down to- You're just lazy. No, no. <laughs> I'm a lazy journalist. Oh, in- it's too hard. I don't know how to do it. No, in- the thing is, in reality, this is a very, very good debut record. But in comparison, to, like I said, in comparison to everything that came, and I think every fan would admit this- it's really lukewarm. So I don't want to play the scoring games and go, oh, I'll give it a three out of 10 because I gave sign of the times this or that or the other. I'll just say um, my review, just like Princess Music speaks for itself, my review speaks for itself. Okay. So um, if you guys want to score it, you can. Uh, if anyone wants to score it, why don't you just yell out your number out of 10? Captain, you seem really ready to go on this scoring thing. So wh- why don't we hand it over to you?
2: I just want to do a score because we've done scores for pretty much everything else. So, I'm going to say, I'm not going to think too hard about it. I'm just going to say 5 out of 10. Oh, <laughs> How could you do that? How could you give Batman 4 out of 10? Come on.
0: That review is dead and buried, Captain. <laughs>
1: it's going to haunt you
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, this, this album, it's got it all. I hardly ever listened to it, but I think that might change. I'm definitely going to listen to it. A few of these tracks more after the blasting this the last well, couple Well, Captain, of weeks. if the Peach
0: and Black podcast can change you, then I think we've done our job.
2: Uh, this is probably one of my least played albums. By yeah. to be honest, I've probably only listened to the full thing maybe six, seven times in my life.
0: And that was just this last week.
2: So, yeah, three times in the last two weeks. <laughs>
0: I think so most- I'm
2: back to it really well with, with the good headphones on. I heard a lot of stuff that I'd never heard before because I'd never really sat down and just, you know, really listened to it. So, I rediscovered this album, which is a good thing. But when you listen to this album, it's hard not to think about its historic context. It's just, you know, it's the first album. It's the, it's the first, it's, it all started here. But considering, yeah, all the things, I'm going to say five out of ten.
0: Okay, okay. Tajam, are you in the scoring mood tonight or not?
3: Ah, uh, it is hard to score, isn't it? I mean... I kind of think about it. I think it's a bit unfair, no matter what I say. Uh, I think the first half of the album is much better than the second half. I think the first five tracks are of some quality. Side one. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, and the last half is of a lesser quality. So I think maybe five out of ten is probably fair enough for that reason. Yeah, uh, it's got a very... It has a sort of a unique sound, doesn't it? It's it's very... It's almost... A, you know, the whole album almost sounds like it could be like a Stevie Wonder album. Not that it's as good as a Stevie Wonder, but it has that same sort of that sound you know the acoustic drums the the sort of full band sound the the funk and the pop and uh the word the disco it's all there it's all very light and, and sugary uh, it's a very Stevie wondery stevie wonder in that sense uh, i think as i've said throughout the album the chord progressions are really good the songwriting's kind of good the arrangements are kind of good i just find his vocal sometimes a bit not quite there which certainly got a bit better on the next album and even more so on the third album um so yeah Yeah. for someone that's only 18 19 it's a super effort but it's not something i'll listen to again i probably only listen to it once a year like you guys as well but i do enjoy it whenever i do put it on
2: yeah that's probably the only thing that i my main criticism would be his vocals you know his falsetto it's just still a bit it's really soft it's still weak but you know the next couple albums it really gets to where where it has to be but yeah this first album it's still a bit meh 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 meh
0: okay player yes your turn
2: I
1: would give it five as well because it's kind of like a halfway thing. It's not good. It's not bad. I think it's a very interesting listen on the, the account that, you know, it's his first album. You, you know, it's his, pretty much his, it's his big record debut, but it's when you listen to it, it's, it sounds like, you know, he's mucking around in the studio. Like he's still trying to find his way in like how the recording process works and how things fit together. So it's interesting in that way that, you know, you can hear, you know, it's kind of like work experience, this album and he's just trying to find his way <laughs> Yeah, but you know it is is—it is good it has its moments there's uh, memorable moments and forgettable moments but you know it is an interesting listen especially to compare it to his later work and, and to revisit this and where he's progressed and you know I, I'm sure he spent a lot of money and a lot of time and effort on this album there was a lot of like probably outside influences that you know he couldn't mm. really truly be himself on maybe this record because people were butting in and you should be doing this and not doing that and, you know, he probably, that's why probably the other records sound better because, you know, he, he locks himself up in the studio and does what he wants whereas in this one you think, you know, you can sort of sense that Warner Brothers would probably say to him, oh, you know, you can't have this, you've got to do that and so, you know, it's probably not him truly coming through on the album completely but, you know, you do get a peek into where the guy has come from and where he's going to go so it is a very good album in that regard.
0: Yeah, I like your, your work experience and analogy, Player. It's mm. That's probably the best description of the album I've heard by anyone, <laughs> including the critics that wrote reviews of it back in 78, 79. And since then, I never thought of it that way. But really, it does come across that way, only knowing what we know and having heard what we've heard. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, in the entire history of, of popular music, when you think about some of the biggest name artists and you think about their debut albums, I think I mentioned this earlier in my review, they seem to be either fairly big critical successes or commercial successes or highly influential in the artist's own career or on in, in the industry at large etc. This album does, again, it's, it's strange. It really does none of that. What it does do is introduce Prince. And I think- you couldn't ask for a better introduction in a way because it doesn't expose him too much. When you have a strong think about the the, tr- the tracks on this, you go from a cappella to disco pop, to disco funk pop, to Joni Mitchell type acoustic stylings, to more disco but- funk. To a, to a ballad, to another ballad, to another ballad, to some hard rock, and within these nine numbers, there's not a whole lot of depth in the in the lyricism. There's not a whole lot of depth in the v- vocals. There's not really. I mean, the production isn't that great. It's glossy, but I don't really think the production's that great. The arranging's pretty juvenile, but again, for a guy his age, he was certainly above his peers and above. People that were that would have been of a similar age of, to him. It's a very strange release.
2: Have we even mentioned yet? Thirty-five years <laughs> oh, anniversary, seventh yeah, of April, nineteen seventy-eight. This was released. Pretty um, incredible. Yeah. Thirty-fifth anniversary, and if all general laws are to be believed, he gets the master's back of this album. You know right now they yeah. could be handing them to him this very minute who knows
0: yeah that that, that is quite quite astounding it's, it's astonishing really as a from a fan's point of view
2: unless but, which what he told us was he already had them back after 30 years we still don't know what, what the deal is there so
0: who knows who knows we
2: probably ne- probably never will but anyway
0: prince's debut album is one of the lesser if not the most overlooked album in his entire discography i, I think you know, outside of things like the truth and Kama Sutra and all the rest of them, you know, R- rave gets way more plays than this. Graffiti Bridge gets way more plays than this. Um, Rainbow Children gets way more plays than this. News gets way more plays than this. I mean, this is—it's—it's it's nah, just
2: for me. This is this is down in there with news. Yeah, for I, the I, number I, of plays.
0: To, to me, I, I, I go back to what Player said about work experience and thinking about it now. It's—it's it's also a a document. I mean, every record is a document, but this in particular is a document of a young musician from Minneapolis putting together songs that he's had in his entire life to work on and that's what that's the thing they say about debut albums is that you've had your whole life to prepare this Mm. material to build an image to build a sound and he comes out with this i find that astonishing well Um, if if your
2: debut album is released when you're 40 that's going to be a very different album to someone who made their debut album when they're like 17
0: that's true but take a look at michael jackson off the wall now, I, I, let's not, it's a, can of, it's a can of worms because that's, you know, he was in the Jackson 5 and all yeah, that kind of that's stuff. Right. Yeah. But still, you know, Prince was playing in bands just because they weren't as, as famous or as popular as the Jackson 5 doesn't make any difference to me in a way. I mean, it's still, it
2: was still out there.
0: I mean, Off the Wall is nuts. One of the greatest albums of all time. Just war the war classic music. And that's Michael Jackson's debut album. Now, Prince's debut album is "For You." Most people won't even know what it is. Most people haven't even heard of this album.
1: It, yeah. It's it's so the an difference is like anomaly. "For You" is not produced by Quincy Jones. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty big difference. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or Maurice White. for Mm. that matter but um
2: it did did okay though when it was released it got to on the billboard soul chart it got to 21 and it was on the charts for 23 weeks so it's not too bad
1: Mm. well remember when he was on uh larry king he asked him what was your first song and he's like oh it's called soft and wet and then he said and then you became you know known and then he was like well just quietly so like even Prince himself you know and also too another thing that i recall is um when he was on the ellen show in 2004 and she held up the cover for this album and you know you could see he was squirming in his chair and she's like no this is a really good album I like this album so yeah uh,
0: it's an an inauspicious beginning isn't it really I mean
2: the other thing about this album is it's an LA record was all recorded in Los Angeles wasn't it Sacramento? Oh, uh, okay. It's all California, California. Yeah, it's a West Coast. All
0: in the United States of America. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's all California, and yeah. I think the next, the next. I think the second album too.
0: Yeah, it's it's astonishing so the to
2: Minneapolis me Minneapolis sound via California.
0: It's astonishing to me to think of this album for you, and then what comes next with Prince, which is. Not quite a quantum leap, but a huge, huge leap in terms of everything from songwriting to production to performance. And then, you know, we've spoken about this before, but then the leaps that come.
2: Every album.
0: Every album in such a short space of time. It, it reminds well, we'll me We'll get of, to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. And we've just discussed a little bit of it on the show over the last few years, but it reminds me now that, that I think of it, a lot of, of the Beatles. Now, yeah, they had massive- true. They, had, they were this boy band that had massive success from, from early on with chart success. But when you think about their the evolution of the, the band and the music that they were doing, the parallel is pretty similar.
2: Evolution.
0: Yeah. So, there you go. Prince for you. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> 35 30, years. 35 years
2: old. Wow. Not that anyone's counting. <laughs> or has never, been counting down <laughs> till he gets his master tapes back.
0: And you never know, Captain. Third Eye Girl might be working on a... Uh, I'm yours! Loose version of that song right now. Who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, there we go.